don't know if like a few weeks, maybe even a month later, I got a text message from a friend who worked at Versati that said the principal at St. Anthony is being promoted to downtown and they're looking for a principal. And I thought, no way, like this is just too good to be true because we loved the school. So I applied and then came down and interviewed and um, got the job. So it was amazing. It just, it was just perfect. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony, and I am blessed to be joined today by the principal of our Catholic school, Veronica Tucker. Welcome, Veronica. Hello. Thank you. Good to have you here. Good to be here. It's always a a joy to see uh, Veronica or anyone from the school kind of walking across the piazza on their way over to our parish office where we are lodged far apart we are the parish and the the school offices so it's good to have you how are you i'm really good thank you it's been a, it's been a busy day at school today i believe it. it's probably been a busy month what are you you've been back uh, back in class for what six weeks now right at six weeks mm-hmm. good deal good yeah. deal and everyone's there in in person and in your uh Teachers are all back, and, and all the students are back. It's It's been great. Yes, everyone in person. We are at our, our highest enrollment, I think, ever, so um, it's really exciting. Full highest enrollment and, ever. Yeah, we have uh, 487 students. We have over 100 kids on our wait list, and we are we are full and, and doing lots of learning over there. That's great. That's great. So this podcast is, has basically been a tour of the parish for the last um, – 15 weeks. I, I'm a newcomer, semi-newcomer. I can barely call myself that anymore because uh, <laughs> next next week will be a full year I've been here. But um, the effort was to to try to get to know all of the ministries, all the multitude of things we do here at the parish. Um, and we are blessed to have a, one of the major wings of the parish, you know, is, is that Catholic school. And so I, I want to dive into uh, the school, your journey with the school, how you ended up being a, a principal. So tell us, where are you from? Are you, are you from the area? Well, I was actually born in Galveston. So um, my dad was in medical school there. So I was born in Galveston, from a BOI, a boy born on an island. And so I have a special <laughs> charm that says that. And is, so it's kind that of a, a big deal. Is that a thing? It is. It's, it's a thing. You're Father an Tom, islander. Yeah, Father Tom put a magnet on my door making it official. <laughs> so I have that. I moved when I was, we were about... I was about three years old, and we moved to Fort Worth, um, and I, that's where I grew up. Fort Worth is mm-hmm. is uh, legendary to me. I've, heard, I've never been there. I've, you always drive through Dallas, you know, on your way up on I-35, or generally I do anyway. Right. But Fort Worth seems to be the superior of the two it, it in is. the DFW. It is, and people from Fort Worth don't care for Dallas, and, and I think the feeling's mutual. They so. call it the FWD over in Fort <laughs> Worth, right? No. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, for sure. Good deal. <laughs> Good deal. So, so uh, Fort Worth, uh, you went to school up there. Did you study education? So I went, um, I went to St. Andrew's Catholic School from kindergarten to eighth grade. Then I went to Nolan Catholic High School, which is the only Catholic high school in Fort Worth. So my parents, my, my dad went, my aunts and uncles went there. So it was only natural that, that I would go there. And then I had a priest that taught me theology my senior year and encouraged me to apply to Notre Dame. 
And I promised my dad I wouldn't go. I just wanted to see if I would get in. But then I got in, and then I wanted to go. <laughs> so I went to Notre Dame, sight unseen. The first time I went was with all my stuff, and I uh, went there. And I actually studied pre-professional studies, so it's kind of a med school track, and um, with a second degree in theology. But then at that time, um, I was really leaning away from medicine. My dad sort of discouraged it. He said medicine had changed a lot, but I still wanted to be in a helping field. So after Aaron and I got married, we moved to San Diego, and I got a degree in pastoral counseling from University of San Diego, and then um, started doing some teaching on the side, and then moved back to Fort Worth, and then got a degree through Creighton University um, in education administration. Wow, okay. There you go. Quite the story there. Quite yeah. the many years of life packed all into that. So, yeah. first of all, Notre Dame is one of the few colleges it seems like you can go to sight unseen and know what you're getting into, right? It's <laughs> right. Like, it's, I'm from Kansas, and um, my my dad is a big Notre Dame fan simply because of the whole. It's the Catholic school, right? Right, right. Which is now it's a little different, but like when he was growing up, it was like a big deal for Notre Dame to be the, the shining Catholic mm-hmm. school and the, this representation of, of, of Catholic values. So did you find it still to be the case when it, you were there? Yes. It, I mean, I loved every minute there. It definitely felt like hallowed ground and um, it definitely built, you know, built my faith. You're required to take two theology classes and I, I just loved all of them. So then my advisor was like, if you took two more, you'd have another uh, second bachelor's in theology. So I thought, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> so extra piece uh, of paper up on the wall. <laughs> exactly. So, um, it was, it was a great experience and I, um, got really involved with RCIA there. So I taught RCIA and stayed every year for, for Easter. And, um, it's one of my favorite memories of college. That's really neat. That is super cool. So you got to live up, you born and raised here in Texas, got to live up North for a while. And then uh, down south, uh, San Diego sounds cool. Yeah. So um, my husband, he's an identical twin, and he and his twin wanted to go to Notre Dame, but it's expensive. So his parents said, you'll need to figure out a way to pay for it. So they both did Navy ROTC. So mm. that paid for their full, it paid for their education. So um, his twin got sent to Norfolk, Virginia, uh, East Coast, and we were sent to San Diego, West Coast. And um, I think we lucked out. I think San Diego was better than I believe it, <laughs> than from Norfolk. what I've heard about San Diego. The only thing I've ever seen in San Diego is uh, the movie Anchorman, which oh. maybe isn't the greatest <laughs> representation of the, the funny movie. But yeah. wow, so you're, you're, what's your husband's name? Aaron. Aaron. How long have you been married? 22 years this summer. 22 years. Yeah. We got married in 99. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just one year away from having the easiest remembrance of how many years you've been married. If you're in 2000, I'm always jealous of the kids born in 2000. You know? <laughs> yeah, like it's easy math. Yeah. 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 It's not too hard to do that and add one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I guess you're right. It's not so bad. Uh, very good. Okay. Uh, so you and Aaron have been married 22 years. Mm-hmm. How many kids? Four. Four kids. Yes. Wow. So we have Abby's a senior at Frasati. And then Luke graduated from St. Anthony last year, and he's a freshman at Frasati. Then I have two boys, Joey and Davidson, in third grade here with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. In third grade. Yes. Um, that's a good age. It is, it is a good age. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're not, they're not twins. One's adopted from China, mm-hmm. and, um, so they're, but they're six months apart, and um, it's fun working with your kids. Are they so, buddies? Yeah, most of the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're definitely in separate homerooms. That helps keep the peace. I actually met Veronica's kids um, a few times now, and they're very professional. They're very, <laughs> they're, they act differently than I did when I was in 
in high school. And I mean that in a good way. They're able to have a conversation with a, a semi-adult like me. <laughs> uh, whereas when I was 15, I was, you know, looking all over the place, mumbling things. I was kicking, you know, kicking rocks. And these, your kids are, are sharp. Oh, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> so you leave uh, San Diego, you go up to, did you spend time in uh, at Creighton or did you, was that an online It thing? was mostly online and just spent some summers there. Okay. So after San Diego moved back to Fort Worth, we were there um, I guess about six years. We had Abby and Luke there, and then my husband got transferred to Pittsburgh. So we lived in Cranberry Township, just north of the Pittsburgh airport. We lived there for two years, and that's where we had Davidson and where I um, started wanting to adopt. So um, we started the adoption process in Pittsburgh, then we were sent back to Fort Worth, and then we adopted Joey about about a year after we moved back to Fort Worth. What led you to uh, to that path, that uh, adoption? That's a huge decision. What, what led you there? Oh, well, some of our best friends from Notre Dame had, had two kids of their own biologically, and then they adopted three special needs kids from uh, China, children with various disabilities. And so um, we were really inspired by them and started talking about it and then just started doing the research. We used the same adoption agency that they used and were open to a wide range of ages with uh, various uh, needs and then it's kind of like eHarmony or something I mean they you put in what you what you're looking for and then they match you with with children and then um, so we got matched with uh, Joey whose name in the orphanage was Lu Tong which means boy on a journey so I think that's a big journey from yeah. Chengdu China to uh, Fort Worth and then the Woodlands Texas so um, we got matched with him and then if several months later we went to China for uh, 12 days and went through that whole process that that you have to go through to bring a child home, and and then we did. How old was he when he came home? It was a week before he turned three. He's nine now. He's so. nine now. Yeah, that is so cool. I think we Catholics, you know, we're, we are now a few weeks out of that fetal heartbeat law being passed, right? And a lot of babies have been saved already in the in the few weeks. There, I saw some calculations where sixty thousand or something abortions now have not taken place because of that law. So, oh, so wow. that's fantastic, amazing lives uh, who are coming into the world, all the more reason for something like an adoption to be more prevalent and more practiced, I think, uh, among us Catholics who are so pro-life. Right. Um, I think adoption needs to be much more prevalent among our communities, uh, especially if things like the, the six-week law, fetal heartbeat law, become more common nationwide. Which right. Praise you. Hopefully, Hopefully that is the case. Yeah, but. yeah. He's a, a total blessing. I mean, we can, it's hard to remember life without him now. So That's awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, thank you for, for doing that and being a... Just on behalf of everyone in, like, I guess the pro-life movement. I mean, that's mm-hmm. such a, that is such a pro-life thing to do is to, to um, bring life into your home like that and, and accept a child and, and be there, you know, be a mother to a child that is not yours biologically but now is yours in every other sense. Right. So, very cool. So, what led you to this job, this uh, being here in the woodlands at St. Anthony of Padua as the principal? How, how did you get here? Well, so we were in Fort Worth. My husband works for ExxonMobil and was told we were moving again. And and I, I didn't want to come. I mean, every, every time I get settled somewhere, he, you know, he would move us. And um, we were like, well, we know we want to go to Catholic school for, you know, for our kids. So we brought our oldest two down to visit um, schools in the area. Abby fell in love with Versati, so that was, that was easy. We visited a few Catholic schools, and Luke loved St. Anthony. And 
he said, I only want to move if I can go to St. Anthony. So I'm like, okay. So Kathy Russell, who's our admissions manager, she said, well, applications become live at midnight on this date. So I set my alarm and I got up at midnight. I filled out all the paperwork and just prayed and prayed he would get in and his little brothers. And then um, I don't know if like a few weeks, maybe even a month later, I got a text message from a friend who worked at Versati that said, the principal at St. Anthony is being promoted to downtown and they're looking for a principal. And I thought, no way, like this is just too good to be true because we loved the school. So I applied and then came down and interviewed and um, got the job. So it was amazing. And we'd bought a house half a mile from here. So it just, it was just perfect. It worked out great. Is this your first principalship? No, <laughs> it's my third time to be a principal. Okay. So my first school was a really small school in Fort Worth called Holy Family that had about 150 students, one class per grade, really small classes. And then my next school was my alma mater, actually, St. Andrew, which had about 650 students, um, three classes per grade. So I feel like St. Anthony is just the, it's kind of like... Um, Goldilocks, right? It's not too big, not too small. small, It's just perfect. (laughs) So um, we have two classes per grade here, except for pre-K three, and um, it's a perfect fit. How many students in total over at St. Anthony's? Four hundred and eighty-seven. Four hundred and eighty-seven. I love principals always do this, and teachers always do this too. Because I would have said like about five hundred. Yeah, I know. But you never (laughs) reduce a student to an about. You you have exact numbers. Exactly. Very cool. So how many years now have you? I've been uh, here. So here, this is my fourth year here. Fourth year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my 19th year in education, and then my fourth year at St. Anthony. Four years here at St. Anthony. So mm-hmm. half of that has been in a wildly different scenario than the first half. Right, right. So COVID would have struck in half through a- your third year, I guess? Yeah, so the, it's the latter part of my second year, and then mm-hmm. all of the third year, and then now the beginning now of the, the fourth, fourth year. year. Yeah. Compare and contrast. So what, what, what was the biggest change? Obviously, there were so many things that everything was just different overnight, but it, as from a teacher's perspective and a principal's perspective, what, what was the most uh, major change for you? Well, you know, at the, at the very beginning, it was just learning how to, how to do online instruction. I mean, that was something that we, we just hadn't done, and it, it happened so suddenly, you know, when it happened at spring break in 2020, and so it was just a matter of really quickly educating ourselves on how to do it. We had a parent who uh, purchased um, go-to meeting, I think was what it was for us to start. Thankfully, it was that was a really generous donation and it gave us a platform that we could use across the whole school. But all the teachers were working so hard trying to find what would be most effective, what that looked like for pre-K was really different than what it looked like for middle school. So that was initially a, a real challenge, but our teachers did great and our parents did mm-hmm. great because it was hard to have the kids home all day, every day in trying to be a teacher and then doing their own jobs. So that was difficult. This year, the challenge has been the masks because people are really divided on that issue, understandably. And there's, um, there's, there's nothing that's going to get everyone to agree on what the best decision is. So that's been really hard because you, you, I just want people to be happy and come to school and learn. And it's definitely been a distraction from that. So, right. And, And like you said, there's no, um, real way to, make everyone happy in, in this way. It, so kids are learning in a far different way mm-hmm. than they did two years ago. Right. W- do you think that uh, this is just the nature of learning from now on, from here on out, kids are going to be on their own schedule and be able to watch, say, recorded videos on their own time and, and be trusted with, you know, just get your work done because you're 
going to be at home for here and there, even in, in college. I mean, you're prepping kids to potentially go to college online mm-hmm. and work in an environment that is no longer necessarily in person. Um, does that change the way you look at like what's important in an education? Yeah, well, some things are, are definitely changed forever, I think. You know, although we are still, we are, we're not providing remote instruction. So if students are um, quarantining, they're getting their assignments to Google Classroom and kind of completing them the, the old-fashioned way, the way we the way we would have done when we missed school, but mm-hmm. then accept that they're then uploading the assignments. So th- that's been a change because now even our pre-K teachers use Google Classroom so that they can quickly get assignments out to parents. But we, we've definitely found for us that just – the traditional classroom is what is what works best being able to really build the relationships that was one thing our teachers said was really hard when we were remote was just not being able to connect as well it's just so much harder through a screen we definitely learned our our strengths but then we made had to make adjustments to accommodate those who need to be home outside of any of the the mask talk like what what is um, a challenge for a modern student i mean these kids are growing up differently than i grew up i was in school 15 years ago and uh well maybe 20 years ago (laughs) you know but i didn't have TikTok or social media or all these other influences. Do you see that being a huge factor on on students, on on how they see the world and how they're growing up, the online of it all? Definitely the um, the exposure to technology and social media, especially for not just our middle schoolers, but maybe our fourth and up or having to keep up with uh, group chats and, you know, text groups. And then we'll have discipline issues that come up you know outside of school but then it carries over to the classroom because there's um still you know discussion or things like that from so I think for our older kids definitely um and I actually just heard a speaker at Frasati last night talk about this and one of the things she said was they're never bored like they don't know how to deal with boredom because there's always something if we're at dinner and kids are talking a parent's handing over an iPad or something you know so it's that it's just that that challenge of they're not they don't know how to just kind of be with themselves and then sometimes what they do to fill that that space can 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 be a negative thing so true the easiest uh quickest well pleasure whether that's youtube whether that's something more addictive than youtube that's always just right there on their cell phone right Uh, it's just yeah i would be worried and i'm i grew up at the time where i guess i'm glad to have been exposed to all of that Uh so my future i'm 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 engaged i'd like to mention that on every podcast (laughs) um yeah when i have kids god willing someday i'll 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 know a little bit about that right a little bit more than my parents knew about technology right right you know i think uh the idea of like instant access to everything is just kind of hard to comprehend unless you just you live it every day and these kids are much better than we are at getting information Mm -hmm, right from the mm -hmm. internet they grew up online right which is just um wild it's kind of scary at times a speaker last night had an interesting statistic that she said of five-year-olds like only half know how to tie their shoes but 75 percent know how to work an ipad and um and it's it's so true i mean their um technology skills are pretty impressive (laughs) yes impressive um Impressive and scary, I'd say. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Time locks on your devices, parents out there, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely them, uh, limits. To get those time <laughs> limits on there. Um, okay, interesting. All right, another question I wanted to ask, uh-huh. uh, specifically about Catholic schools. What makes it a Catholic school? I, I went to one. I, I loved my time there. Uh-huh. Um, and we've had Catholic schools for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Right. Um, 
But what would you say is like a, a primary definition of a, of a Catholic school? What makes it Catholic? Is it just the extra religion class? <laughs> well, that that's a, that's a small piece of it. Of course, mm. we go to mass every week as a whole school, so every Wednesday at nine, and it's a parish mass. So we love it. You know, parishioners are there also. Um, I would say one of the biggest differences is that like prayer forms our whole day. So we start our day with prayer. We end our day with prayer. The kids pray before snack. They pray before lunch. We pray the Angelus at noon. The middle schoolers pray before every class change. So I think the fact that that's just constantly in their day is is a big difference. And just the way we're able, all teachers and their lesson plans have to do what we call Catholicize the curriculum. So they have to find ways to connect whatever subject they're teaching to our faith. So in their lesson plans, that's in purple, so we can make sure that that's happening. So it's, it's integrated in in every subject, so that's that's a real difference. Because we we know um, the schools around us are all really great academically. We have really strong schools around mm-hmm. us, but we know that what what sets us apart and why our families say they choose us is for having that faith integrated throughout the day. Yeah, I think that's fascinating, especially when it comes to subjects like you know biology, history, math. Mm-hmm. That that's a real talent for your for your teachers to mm-hmm. bring in uh, their faith into those subjects and. You know, to me, it always made sense. I, I thought, I always thought that, of course, God should be talked about in math. He wrote math. He invented mm-hmm. it. So um, it makes sense that that there should be a sense of like there's an inherent intelligibility to this formula, right? And that says something about the universe, which says something about the creator of the universe. Right. And and to be able to convey that to kids who maybe aren't quite there yet uh, in their worldview, I think that's that's hugely important. The other the other bit is something like history where I'd say a lot of my friends who didn't go to Catholic school would say that would be worried or, or say that we got a skewed version of history, mm. a Catholic colored version. Right. I, I wouldn't say that that's always the case. Mm-hmm. A good Catholic teacher or professor is just giving you the facts and, and telling you what happened in the, you know, to Galileo. Uh, you don't have to skip over that part of you can just give the facts, and, and and you can give the facts about whatever happened in the Spanish Inquisition and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're skipping over steps, right? Right. You know. Um, anyway, I think that's a that's a, a huge talent, and so I'm glad you have teachers over there at the school who um, can make that come alive mm-hmm. for their students. Our kids also get to um, be on mass every week. We have reconciliation services during Advent and Lent, which you know they look forward to. We'll have opportunities for adoration, and so that's that's an exciting thing that we're able to do in a Catholic school. Of course, that's that's different, and we have um, we love it when our clergy come and visit. Last year, we had seminarian Jay, and he mm. he visited. A lot. He would come in and get them all riled up and then leave. But oh, yeah, of course. He taught them to, he taught them to build paper uh, airplanes. He'd throw them across the room. And um, it's. I think it's just so great for the kids to have all that exposure to vocations. Too. Yeah, and they see that it's not some... Uh, it's not not a problem at this parish, but many kids grow up never seeing a, a young priest or a, an engaging priest. And the kids at the school see one every week, uh, whoever, whether it was for the last four years. We've always had some example of some priest over there uh, showing them that this is a real lifestyle option for you, especially the young men. Right, right. Even last week, Father David did a YouTube video for the kids on um, Our Lady of Sorrows because that um, was a feast on our last school mass day, and so sent it out to all the teachers so they could watch it in the classrooms, and it was a great, pretty short just video, but just letting him take it 
dive a little deeper into what that meant. I'm so, sure that he did dive a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> Father David is never one to dumb anything down. <laughs> <laughs> he could have probably even gone deeper, but really? uh, but it was it was great. It was really great. Good. That's great to hear. All right, so school is something, I, I worked at a school for the last two years. Before this job, I was working at a um, student center in Manhattan, Kansas. So okay. I was still operating on that semester life yes. where you have this uh, a feel, a structure to the year. You think the year starts in September. Right. Now out of it, I, like when summer started a few months ago, and now summer's over, uh -huh. and I didn't even really notice either one of those changes. Uh -huh. It's just like now it's hot, and, and apparently it'll be <laughs> cold soon, you know. But students and teachers and principals live life, it's almost liturgically, you know. <laughs> right. You have seasons yes. to your year. Yes. So what's your favorite month of the school year? You have August when everyone's like, I know. Ready I'm, to dive in. So I love my job. So it's hard for me to pick a favorite because August is so exciting because it, it's new and everyone, the classrooms, it's like a new car smell. Mm -hmm. They're all, you know, they're all fresh and the kids' uniforms are all looking good and um, they're so excited to come back. I love uh, that time between Thanksgiving and Christmas because it's, it's exciting as we get ready for Advent's fun and getting ready for the holiday break is exciting. Of course, I love May because we're celebrating our graduates and there's uh, so many exciting things there. I'd say a hard part is um, that stretch from February to spring break. I was going to say. It's rough. The I worst a, month of the year, even yeah. as a non-student. February is the worst. I had a, a pr principal once who called it Farch because it's like that February to March is forever yeah. and ever. and it, it, it Yeah, it does, it does feel really long. So that can be a, a hard Part, but then when spring break comes, it's, it's so nice. Yeah, I always loved uh, late March. Once uh, March Madness begins, the basketball tournament, um, right. that, that weekend, and then all the way to the end of the year. It was awesome. Yeah, love that, yeah. Love that time of year. Um, what about a school day? Is it, there's the Monday through Friday. Which, which school day is the best Ooh. school day? Um, I love Wednesday for mass because that's definitely the highlight of the week. But then Fridays are, Fridays are good. Everybody's happy on Friday. and um, Kids are excited to play on the weekend. And um, so... Do you have dress down days, like uh, spirit days? Or? So the last Friday of every month, we have a spirit day. Nice. And then we have, um, like last Friday, we had a $5 free dress, and the proceeds go to our student council. So we do some of those things on Fridays, cool. too. Mm -hmm. I actually love the the green crew neck sweatshirts. Mm -hmm. I, I, they were on sale in the um, Shelts Hall a couple months ago, I uh -huh. think. And I was like, should I buy a school sweatshirt? You should have bought one. I think they were all youth mediums that I really <laughs> left by the time I got there, but... I like it. It's a good color. Katie Trussell designs those each year and, and picks the color. And uh, the green is green is good. Shout out to Katie Trussell. Yes. Doing <laughs> good content, Katie Trussell. Well, thanks for coming on, Veronica. I know you're super busy over there at the school, so I, I appreciate you making the trek over uh, to the Oh, parish. I loved it. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Okay, <laughs> real quick, couple of announcements. we got some awesome things coming up. Okay. Number one, if you are a parishioner over in spring, St. Ignatius is having a festival in a couple of weeks, October 2nd and 3rd. Um, a fall festival, I think it'll, it's open to everyone, so that should be really fun Super over fun. at St. Ignatius. Um, we've got a open house. Veronica's a, a big fan of the open houses over at Deacon Baldy's, yes, I know. Yes, never miss them. <laughs> so that's on Tuesday, September 28th. Um, it's just a really fun uh, opportunity to hang out outside of the parish. Father Jesse will be there um, hanging out, uh, so it should be super fun getting to know him. Trucks will be open. 
great night. And last but not least, Tony Melendez, a uh, Christian music. I bought my tickets last night. Yes, I saw that. Yes. Christian music artist Tony <laughs> Melendez will be here on October 15th. Uh, tickets are on sale at ap.church/concert. If you don't know who Tony Melendez is, look up a YouTube video of him playing Let It Be. born without arms Mm -hmm. and he plays guitar with his feet and he has a beautiful voice and a beautiful story um he's been playing uh christian concerts for over 30 years um and he's played for jp2 and all over the world and uh, i'm psyched both musically and for the uh the inspiration I, i think he's got a great message a great story he travels around with his brother who sort of makes it all possible um have you seen him before not in person. When I was in high school, he came uh, to Fort Worth, and I got to see him. So I can't wait to see him. That is amazing. Again, that must have been at the beginning of his career. That is awesome. <laughs> no, it could have been. <laughs> um, very good. Okay, so Tony Melendez, October 15th. Again, Veronica, thanks a ton for coming on. Sure. Um, appreciate it. All, we'll see you next time.